0: Millennials are grossly underestimated. Their jobs aren't their whole world. They have options, they have the internet. Job satisfaction and strength of relationships, there ain't no app for that. Education is not a mechanical system, it's a human system. Any kind of work that's on some level predictable, then that's gonna be susceptible to artificial intelligence and, and machine learning. And that job, where you go to a building and you stay there 40 hours, and then you do that again for 40 years, and then you retire, that's gone.
1: Technology magnifies our leverage and increases our creativity. Stay hungry, stay foolish. Please wait as your individualized operating system is initiated. This is the Powerful Nonsense Podcast, guiding you through the madness of modern life. Now, here are your hosts, Wayne Ingram and Jem Yildiz. What's up, Powerful nonsenses Hello. We are back in your ear holes for another episode of Powerful Nonsense, episode two, one, three.
0: Nice and lucky, the 13. Oh, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Maybe that's why
1: I'm in such a grouchy mood this morning.
0: Didn't even bring his gym wear. No. Shocking.
1: No, although I got up quite nicely this morning. Congratulations. Like, I've been... Now that the summer's in, I've started sleeping with my curtains open, which arguably, I I, I have a, just going into sleep hacking just randomly at the beginning, I have a thing with this sleeping with curtains closed or open. I think I actually wake up feeling more refreshed if I sleep with my curtains open, because I wake up
0: With the light. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But some people are like, no, you should sleep with your curtains closed
0: because it blocks out the light. Well, it depends if you're in an urban area where you're getting a lot of... Well, there are, like, street lamps, like, right outside. Then probably it's not the best thing, but... But
1: I definitely wake up more refreshed. Do what works for you. So, you do you. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're joining us for the first time, I am Wayne Ingram. I am Jem Mieldis. And this is the Powerful Nonsense Podcast, the millennial podcast. Um, I don't know how long we're going to be able to claim that moniker for because <laughs> there are a lot of millennial podcasts out there
0: now i think Wow, well, they don't listen to us so but we obviously say. we are the most important one <laughs> obviously i think probably the one that's been going the longest longest running you know like est established yeah. 20 whatever it was
1: <laughs> longest running weekly millennial podcast yeah, that's what we'll have to change That's what we we'll go to <laughs> um so uh we've got a few things to touch on this week hopefully you'll be able to fit it all in um, we're going to be talking about manliness and what makes a man. Um, I've been doing a lot of accent work in class, so I keep dropping so this into this could be American super thing. super annoying. I'm so sorry. I've got to practice, though, right? Um, <laughs> but I keep dropping into this American accent, it's really not good. Uh, so, what makes a man? Uh, we are also going to be talking about. <sighs> can we, when we go into this, can we please use the clip from the previous time? Nah. Please. Because. <laughs> Snapchat are releasing spectacles again. So we're going to be talking about that. <laughs> Three guesses what you think I think of that. Um, and then also we're going to be talking about a way that we could possibly make homes cheaper. Um, but first, before we get into all of that, we've got to get into the quote of the week. So, this quote of the week comes from...
0: Sad Guru Sad Guru Yes
1: But not as in sad upset Guru But as in It's got like a little H in there somewhere Yeah there's an H thrown in So S-A-D-H
0: Guru Guru But anyone with Guru in the name Probably is going to be a good quote right You would have thought so yeah (laughs) You'd hope so (laughs) You'd hope so Uh, So So, I'm going to be I'm Gem Guru And you're Wayne Guru (laughs) As of next week
1: (laughs) (laughs) I like that Let's go with that (laughs) <laughs> um, we'll, we'll make it we'll take like a trip to like India or somewhere and do like a week long
0: throw on a few orange robes a,
1: a week long meditation shave your head thing. Again. that's it
0: that's it <laughs> no we'll just sit then... on a nap and do like headspace for like 10 minutes and then <laughs> Pretty you're now it. Jem Guru I'm Jem Guru <laughs> just sit in a loincloth cloth. <laughs> 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 Anyway,
1: so the quote itself is, uh, with life experiences,
0: you get wise or get wounded. It's a nice one. I like this because what he's saying is there is basically how you react to life. Like bad things are going to always happen. That is part of life, but it's your decision whether Mm -hmm. you're going to choose to kind of let it wound you and hold you back and suddenly you're in that victim mode and now Mm. everything you do, you think, well, I could have, but it's because of that thing why I can't do it or... You decide to learn from that mistake, which is kind of a bit like that book, The Obstacle Is the Way, is actually saying that every ob- obstacle that you have to confront, it actually makes you stronger and a better mm-hmm. person. I think all our life experiences kind of build up what to that point. You you what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Stand a doesn't Yeah, that one. Um, yeah, so all our <laughs> all our life experiences kind of actually help us become wise and then when we um confront them again, we can actually get through them so it's up to you. You've got to decide Like, have things wounded you that stopped you in your tracks yeah. or are you got, have you got wise and now you can kind of find a way around it?
1: Yeah, it's funny actually. I was having this conversation with somebody only a couple of days ago we were talking about just like I feel as though and I don't know if you'll agree with this Gem. You'll probably disagree because I'm in a grouchy mood this morning so the way I behave this morning is completely opposite to what I'm about to say. <laughs> but um... I just feel. Bullshit. <laughs> I just feel like I now have gone through so much in life. I think just because of age, right? Um, and I feel like this this applies to a lot of people our age. I've just got to the point now where I'm just kind of like so content in like myself. Uh, see, dropped into that American again. I'm <laughs> um, so content in myself that I don't kind of like those old wounds are just kind of like not as big a deal anymore. And I'm just kind of like and I was having this conversation with somebody the other day, like I'm I'm not kind of looking at kind of like where I want things to go as much now and just kind of not trying to plan ahead with stuff with life and, and all that sort of stuff, and I'm just kinda of like whatever happens happens and not going to take people's bullshit and stuff like that. And yeah,
0: I think that's just like, we both said, like it's that maturity. Now it's kind of like if yeah. you get to know yourself more, it's a bit of time, it's a bit of experience, which is the wisdom, and, right? And that's it. It's kind of wisdom. But he says in this talk, I can put the YouTube clip up. He actually says like some people hold on to that forever. They stay <laughs> yeah. wounded for life. And sometimes you have trauma so big that it is very hard to get over. Yeah. But then for like young people and it's sort of adolescent stuff, that's kind of, you're dragging along with you that kind of stuff when you get to 30 you kind of start to see it from the other person so yeah. i say oh well they bullied me because they probably had a bad home or they um they were they were doing this and that annoyed mm-hmm. me because of this reason you start you can unpack it whereas obviously some people have huge traumas which are like massive changes in their lives which are a lot harder to get over but yeah obviously
1: but yeah. even then i think that as as you get older those wounds tend to have a bit more clarity to them and you kind of start to understand at least why that hurts so much or psychologically is affecting you so much um and it's less about just kind of almost riding the wave of the of the wound and more kind of like actually no at least i can understand Mm -hmm. why it's like it is i might not be over it but at least i can understand it
0: and I think with age, you kind of take a, you take a step back and you mm. look at the whole scenario rather than how it's just affecting you. You look mm-hmm. at everybody who's a participant in that wound and then suddenly it kind of breaks it open. It's not, oh, wow, they mm-hmm. weren't just doing it because they hate me. It's because they had this and this going on. So I do think yeah. you get a lot more compassion as you age. Uh, do, you
1: remember, do you remember four years ago when we were started this podcast and we were talking about how we're fresh graduates and um, <laughs> now we're talking about... Now no we that are. you get older, you get wiser.
0: <laughs> now that's your Wayne Guru and I am Gem Guru. <laughs> yes. We went we went guru now so you're going to get a lot more of, you're going to get a lot more of that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, okay. And on that note, uh, let's move on to the story of the week. <music> So this comes from globalnews.ca. bit of Canadian news. We I thought it. I was going to throw Canadian out there. Yeah. Canadian um, study as well. Oh, actually. yeah. There's Canadian. Yeah, I can see all it on over,
0: the notes. It's all over the place. Yeah, but. I can see it. Yep.
1: <laughs> um This was an article put out on Global News, some Canadian news, um, about the millennial view on what makes a man. And um, this is actually becoming, I think, a much more global conversation than Canada. I know we're definitely talking about it a lot. There was um, Mitchell and Webb, the other guy, mm. wrote a book about how to, how to not be a boy, I think it was called. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. So it's be kind of coming into the zeitgeist now, this kind of idea of, of what it means to be masculine. And I think there's also an element of the whole hashtag me too thing that I think is also sparking that conversation to a degree. Um, because there's a lot about the way that and also just all the studies about like mental health and stuff like suicide is the number one killer of men aged I think it's 45 and under it's certainly in the 40s sorry and under that. I think it's 45 and under the number one killer um, and also one in four people suffering from mental health problems now obviously in the UK at least obviously not all of those are men but when you link the fact that it's the number one killer for men under age 45 and then one in four, like, you, it's pretty easy to kind of make some sort of correlation in terms of, well, why is it affecting men over women um, to the same degree? I mean, women are also at risk of mental health problems. Please do not get me wrong. But there's obviously... Some correlation, I would say, it's quite easy to come to that conclusion, between masculinity and mental health problems. So this article goes into a variety of um, kind of characteristics, I suppose, is the right word? Values, Values. characteristics, yeah. Yeah, values is better, I think. Um, That are supposedly now the top um, categories of characteristics, values, whatever,
0: um, that that men should now be, should
1: now be carrying them out or are now, they are now, caring, are about. now so caring. They are now caring. So they
0: interviewed about. around 630 respondents. These were all men. And then they sat them down and gave them long questioning and they kind of tied in together all their, pers- all what they've said into these um, values which they come up with. And obviously the top three they had was um, selflessness, which is about caring for others. Openness, which is experience from exposure. And then personal health, fitness and aesthetics, which is kind of interesting that that one's still up there in top. Mm. but what i also like is the idea of this openness which kind of really relates to what you were saying about mental health i think as men are getting older a bit more like they especially millennials i do think that now they are quite open with their feelings i can actually say that actually a lot of my friends we open up to each other when something's up whereas Mm. even now it's still kind of that gray area where it's like i hope he opens up to me about that i might be able to get him to talk about it because it's still the same it's like you go down to the pub and you know that someone's had a shitty time and you kind of want to bring up the issue that you know has been bothering them, but it's kind of like, will he want to open up today? Will he not? And I, but I think it's good mm. that men of our age are at that level where it's kind of like, yeah, or you might text me, oh, Jem, I need to speak to you about it, so I managed... And then I can tell that something's up or mm. we can read each other a bit more or what he's in the so mood we've today. become very good at reading each other, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, but I also find that with... I think when when my friends know that you're, well, I think that's luckily to have friends like that where they know when something's up and yeah. you feel safe enough to open up about it. Whereas I think most men probably, I don't think many men have that. And I actually think that our group of friends actually are quite open in that way. Mm. And we'll say when something's up. And I think because we've known each other so long and you kind of don't really have that judgment there. Yeah. You might be like, Oh, bloody hell he's taking that a bit seriously. Yeah. But,
1: but even I was, I, it's funny you because I hadn't actually realized that it was, now much more common but actually i'm thinking about i mean i don't know maybe it's different but like some of the guys in my uh class at drama school that i've really well certainly when i started having these sorts of conversations really know for that long only a few weeks two classes a week um and i found actually that there is a lot more kind of talking about emotions and feelings now i don't know if that's a good example because obviously we're dealing with those on in the classroom in a way, but yeah, it's interesting actually how how much more open men are, and I hadn't actually thought about it, but there is, it does still feel like there is still still a huge
0: stigma around it you've got to be careful where you tread and you are even if you are and and maybe that's they might i don't know whether that's the person's open up to you or you open up Mm. to them but you may have prior experience where okay i open up to my friends and they're okay with it which means that let's see what happens when i open up to another guy is that coming with age though as well
1: do you know what because i feel like i feel like guys in like their early 20s less so
0: no, I think that they, I, th- I think the thing is with all this whole study, which really stands out to me, is when they say, look, these are the new traits or these are the new values that men now have. And I don't believe mm. it. I believe that men always had these traits. They always wanted to care for others. I agree. selfless. They, they are, they want to be open, but sometimes there's pressures not to be open I if agree. it means that you look unmasculine. Mm-hmm. And so actually all that, all that I think is happening is that men are just becoming more grounded in themselves, hopefully enough. And that it means that actually by opening up, by actually, like it's it's to be brave to actually open up, it's actually to be a man mm-hmm. to open up and say, hey, look, I'm willing to talk about this because I'm a strong person. Mm-hmm. That means I can. And so for me, I just think that. But do you
1: know, do you know, I um, might go off on one on this one, but do you know what I think is one of the biggest problems with this whole masculinity thing is actually uh, the whole dating scene. I really do because there's so many times I hear my female friends being like, oh yeah, I was dating this guy, but he was just too nice.
0: Yeah, I get that. But then I also think that there's a time and a place for not like to be nice, but there is a time and place. There's different elements at different points in relationships, like anything. Like if you go on a first date and the guy's like crying about his manager being... (laughs) like push like stuff like that yeah obviously but that's what i'm saying so i think that there's different qualities needed that's why when they're saying oh look like um strength and physical strength's kind of dropping back but actually these are biological cues for women in terms of like relationship and dating and so yes you may uh, be the kindest guy and bring her flowers but then at the end of the day if your conversation's bleak and you've actually got not much mental wisdom or kind of conversation then maybe that's not an attractive quality and so I think it's just straight down. So it's to... about
1: confusing the kind of uh, the difference between being manly. I'm not going to talk about my emotions and just being pessimistic as fuck.
0: Not really. What in terms of dating? Well, <laughs> y-
1: yeah, I use that as an example because I think that is I do think that is one of the big contributing factors to. um to what is making men close themselves off a little
0: bit. Yeah, I agree. Because the thing is, it's so different, though. There's different elements. It's like, I'm not going to... Particularly as it is at the moment. I wouldn't like... If I was meeting my girlfriend for the first time, I'm not going to, like, open up on certain subjects straight away. Like, I'm going to go there and hopefully dress well, look good, be physically healthy, like, also... I want to be having a good conversation about something that she finds interesting. So it's about being a social chameleon and knowing what kind of masculine traits you decide to pull up at certain times in the same Mm -hmm. way that people say, Oh, men uh, don't really care about being competitive anymore. I fucking love being competitive because it fucking excites me. It doesn't mean I do it because I want to be a fucking man. It means that I want to have drive Bean and I want to... chest
1: and all like yeah, that. Yeah, but
0: I love that too. I love playing a game of football and you go in mm. hard on someone, and you get them up and you shake each other's hand and get on with it. It's like, mm. that's the way it should be. And I think sometimes what we have to not do is confuse like our natural biological masculine traits as then pushing it towards these more, which these are looking like more feminine traits, but you can merge both. And I think both men and women have both of these traits. I just think yeah. that we need to see the whole holistic view of a man rather than say, well, actually this is how he should be. And he should stop being that You're gorilla right. and start pounding his chest. Yeah.
1: Which is the, which is the problem, I suppose, because it is kind of, you talk about, um, these looking like feminine traits. There is that kind of like, Oh, well, women are the ones that care for others. Um, whereas men are the, the, the whole, that whole traditional view of men are the, the doers and women are the carers. um, and you and you see it even in the employment space as well, like the sorts of jobs that require uh, more empathetic thinking yeah. tend to be more female-dominated, and yeah. the ones that require more, quote, logical, analytical thinking tend to be more um, male-dominated. Um, that's not to say that neither can do either, but I think the more we can break down those barriers um because in the same way of like what does it mean to be a woman that is massively in question at the moment 100% minute. massively in question and i think because we're now starting to have these two finally starting to have these two conversations at the same time cuz i i consider myself a feminist um i think equal opportunity is right and um well just right um, but I have found myself over in the last, certainly not the last couple of years, but previous to that with the whole feminism conversation about about how focused it was on what it means to be a woman and not really talking about what it actually means to be a man because feminism to me is about both sides of the coin. And I think a lot of the issues that have come about um, with um, female oppression and things like that, certainly in the last hundred years. I mean, obviously, we've got a tradition of other, of way, be, way before the thousands of years, but certainly in the last hundred years, I do think the masculinity question is just as important in solving that issue. And I think that's where we finally got to in society, which is actually kind of going, ah, like the whole Me Too thing. I think this is why it's kind of starting to come to the forefront is now people are going, well, if this is the way that men supposedly are supposed to behave because locker room talk and all that sort of shit, then surely we've got to be questioning how we are educating men on how they should be and how they should interact. And it's a two-way conversation as opposed to a one-way conversation of like, well, let's empower the women. It's like, well, actually, can we emotionally empower the men as well because i think that's the problem men have not been empowered emotionally they've been empowered in every other sense and i don't want to get on the whole us poor men because Mm -hmm. the way we've treated women historically is god awful but i do think because we haven't talked about emotional the emotional oppression of men um that's as much a cause of the problems as actually the (laughs) overall oppression of women
0: yeah, I think well, you've summed that up there. Don't I, I you hope we don't get hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so, but I think that's the key point there. It is not like saying, okay, men stop being like got the traditional masculine qualities, but actually, how do we empower the um, modern emotional mm-hmm. um, abilities of men?
1: Yeah, yeah, oh, good. I don't even know what I said then. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's, um in fact, is there anything else we want to touch on? No. There I are think a few other stats and things, but I think that's yeah, good. Move on. Okay, cool. So let's go into <laughs> rant bombs beware. Some tech news. <laughs> Snapchat, Snapchat, Snapchat.
0: To be honest, I don't even use Snapchat anymore. No, I don't think right? I I did even get into using it, unfortunately. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean I I no, I mean I I had it and I've been on it and I've used it, but I've not like been like I love Snapchat. I've not been hooked in the way that Twitter or Instagram, and not so much Facebook, but Facebook used to, um, but the way Twitter and Instagram have hooked me. Anyway, um, let's not bury the lead. Snapchat, after the appalling dive bomb that was Snapchat Spectacles, have decided in their infinite wisdom to release... Spectacles 2.0.
0: In multiple colours, actually, Wayne.
1: Oh, in multiple colours, sorry. Yes, in multiple colours, that is also very important. They work underwater. Um, yes, and... Um, Better resolution. Yep, yeah, and uh, they have... Speakers. Speakers now, yep. Yeah. Um... That's it. And uh, <laughs> <I'm spent. laughs> and they're more expensive.
0: They are more expensive, which is a crazy decision, and that means like that they're, they're now <laughs> up like, to the we
1: didn't we didn't sell enough. How can we sell more? Um, make
0: them really expensive. Make them
1: bright and colourful, and increase the price.
0: Which is weird because their demographic is probably pretty young, and like to be honest, for one hundred and fifty quid, I, I could it, literally right? get two pairs of Ray Bans or something like that, which which look
1: ten times better and don't look like something out of freaking
0: yeah, I don't know. And then people might probably got the new iPhones and stuff, so they probably want to actually use their decent camera on their phone to take pictures rather than mm-hmm. pressing some button on a screen that they can't really see what they're taking a picture of. Right? It's just random, it just so. ugh,
1: the whole thing. So, okay, Gem. When we spoke about Snapchat spectacles the first time, you were like, "This is going to be the thing." Yeah. What was it that you thought was going to be the thing about the Snapchat Spectacles, and what do you think went so badly wrong?
0: Look, number one, I just think the price is terribly wrong. Like, the barrier to entry to use these things is crazy. They made them, like, mm-hmm. proper exclusive. that you had to, like, buy them from these stupid little vending machines around London. Uh-huh. And then that was enough. That was, like, crazy. And obviously a few people did it because it looked cool. But then as every uh, when they bought their glasses and saw no one else had them, they are like, yeah, I'm not wearing those because no one else is. And I look like a prick. Yeah. Whereas... <laughs> What I do see for these, which I think they've kind of like missed a trick or they should embrace, is kind of like they should have made them cheap. They should have made them for like Mm -hmm. linked up with festivals, linked up with holiday tours and said, look, people, when you're on holiday, you are going to be wearing these things. When you're at a festival, you are going to be wearing sunglasses. If it means you can capture parts of the festival and it's kind of on your head, then Mm -hmm. I can see it working. But for day-to-day use, it's just not going to happen. Like you'd be an idiot if you're wearing sunglasses all the time. So I just see them as something, as a cheap item. I'm going to a festival this weekend. If I I was a usual Snapchat, Mm -hmm. I'd be like, look, I need to wear sunglasses. It's going to be a warm weekend. I'll Uh pop them on, and I'll be capturing bits of the event live. Uh I can look back after. But for £150, Mm -hmm. no one's going to do it.
1: I think they've really, really missed a trick. Because I think, like, what is the goal of the Snapchat spectacles? Is it to make money? I don't think so. It's it's to to get get people on the platform. Yeah, it's to get people posting more
0: often. Right.
1: So why... Why increase the specs? Why not keep it so it's cheap to, as cheap to produce as possible? That's what I mean,
0: drop the specs, if like, anything.
1: <laughs> and, if, and, and if really the model I'd be aiming for, I don't know how, cost of, how effective it would be in terms of pricing, and they'd probably end up losing money. So the economics of it, I'm not sure. But I think what I'd be aiming for would be to create these Snapchat spectacles, create a free version that you can that you get in contact with festivals and events and and you send them a, a truckload of these things that they give out to free to all their attendees um and then and do it that way to cuz it's good for the attendees because they're going to get mark the event planners cuz they're going to get marketing on Snapchat for their event and you're going to get people using the you being Snapchat are going to get more people using the platform then what you do is you then release a premium version which even then when i say premium i'm talking 50 quid mm. um for for a better a version with a better camera and all these other features and you have the free version of just really plain looking really i mean not n- non hd camera i think just really simple really cheap um and then you get people into that ecosystem and get people going oh but if only the pictures i was using with this for Looked better. Mm. But I feel like they've just completely... Like, there's a there's a video on BBC where they're talking about this. And the, guy's, the guy goes, So, why have you made them more expensive? And he goes, Well, because the value we're providing to the market is so good. And he's like, Fuck off. Yeah. You didn't sell any the first time. Yeah. Like... They, clearly there was no value there but they've just They're. I feel like they're flogging a dead horse on this one I really yeah. do well, I, see I think this is going to be a bigger flop I think
0: time. so I just see it as it kind of, I don't know if you know the iZell machines that I use for taking card uh, payments uh, in our shop I see yeah, them because yeah. they sell those card readers for like 20 quid or less and then basically you use it in store and they make their money from the transactions on yeah. it and then I just see that the only way that's going to work for us is for Snapchat it's have something similar where we kind of like give you it for like 20 quid and then there's some way that you pay back, whether that's, it prompts you to take a picture in certain locations on geotagging so that an advert, you can make an advert based on another product. Mm. So it says, you're in Shoreditch, Oatly are running a massive promotion on their thingy, could you go snap a pic of this and you, and then you like, it kind of gamifies some sort of way of people yeah. creating content on behalf of brands. Yeah. Then that way the brands are getting value snapchat gets value because they're running promotions so the big agencies are paying for that they've just got to find a model that actually incentivizes why people should wear them and create content and also cheap enough for that barrier to entry to kind of drop massively Uh,
1: this feels to me like a pure cynical attempt to make
0: some money. Or it could just be that they've actually not produced many and they just wanted it as a little marketing thing. We've made number two. It goes out into public. Everyone hears about Snapchat again. It does nothing. Yeah, yeah.
1: but I was gonna say I don't think that I don't think the the PR is not, it's not good. even worth it. The PR is not good for them. The yeah. PR makes them look desperate. It doesn't make them look good. Like people are essentially the the zeitgeist is saying Snapchat is is dying and I just I kind of feel like Snapchat got too big, too fast. Um, they weren't ready for it, and now they just don't know what the hell. And they're not doing willing with it. to listen to customers. And like. they're not. Yeah, my god. So
0: Wayne, to wrap this up, up to wrap this up, what's your verdict? You going to buy some?
1: Oh, well, I wasn't going to buy them the first time. I thought it was a stupid idea. Then so I it's think it's a even. Stu- it is. I couldn't tell you how floppy this flop is going to be. Wow. <laughs> like I think, I I wouldn't. I would be shocked if um, they sold as many of these as they sold of
0: the first one. True, and I'm I also, would be shocked. This time around, I'm also a no go. I don't think it's going to work, especially at that price point. Maybe if they came down massively, but not at that price. point. The thing point. is,
1: it doesn't even have the novelty factor anymore. Yeah. So, anyway, it's a flop. <laughs> right. So we're gonna fit it in. Gonna fit it in uh, this week. Millennials killed.
0: This story says that, not that millennials don't use living rooms, but actually it would be more economically viable to actually produce more housing in sort of cities and mm-hmm. locations millennials want to be if they don't have a living room. So it's like, cut out of that space, it means they get the house for cheaper, and then Except that's it.
1: they wouldn't get the house for cheaper, would they? <laughs> Certainly not in London.
0: Well, they're saying they want these sort of hotel-style studio flats in central locations, like... Millennials are going out to socialise now. They mm-hmm. don't sit at home on their sofa in their living room. Mm-hmm. So they'd much rather good location rather than home space. What's your thoughts, yeah. Wayne?
1: I tell you what. I was literally just sat sat in your living room as
0: we speak, <laughs>
1: um, and I was thinking about. It, I was like, actually, if you get if you said to me the space the space of this room is is it plus a bathroom plus a hallway, I'd be like, yeah, I could live in that.
0: So what if your guy who's renting your place to you said to you, okay, I don't know how much you pay. Let's say, let's for example, £700. He said, look, Wayne, you're not allowed to use a living room anymore. I'm going to take £100 off. <laughs> Would you take it? £100? No.
1: Okay? No. It w- no, because that, 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 for me, I mean, living room is nice. And I was saying this before we hit record, right? I think I only use my living room because I have one. Um, and it's a good social space, right? The living room. That's what that's, that's why it's great. It's a social space, but we're getting into the position now where most people are house sharing and it's going to, it's only looking like it's going to continue to go that way, at least in London. Um, I certainly think for London, if we went for a more kind of studio flat kind of...
0: Uni-accommodation style. uni
1: accommodations. Well, not uni-accommodation <laughs> style. Much, much
0: nicer than uni No, but I mean, like remember the double rooms where you get like, that's how I see it. Oh, those end, double rooms. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah they were had pretty a, cool. You a kitchen, bathroom and your bed yeah. in the same room.
1: <laughs> yeah, but just like this open plan kind of yeah, thing. And I... Because I think... I mean, people can't see, but I'd say this room is probably about 10 foot by maybe... 13 foot?
0: Yeah, something like that.
1: Um, and I think if... That sounds quite big,
0: actually. No, it? I think it is about...
1: Yeah, probably. It's around that sort of size. Probably maybe a little bit smaller. Four metres
0: by um, metres, maybe. Or six metres. I don't know.
1: We're not. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not architects. Yeah. Can you tell? Um, but I think if this was an open plan, right, and there was a little sofa, and there's a double bed, and then there's a little small kitchen area not huge just a small little kitchen area with work surface fridge uh oven microwave that sort of size like open plan and then you've got a room off into the hallway and then a room off into a bathroom with a shower toilet sink i mean for a single person that's not bad
0: yeah, I think what they're saying they're worried about. If you say that, then suddenly all these t- um, landlords are going to be like, okay, if that's what you need, <laughs> let's put another bedroom in there. Right, right.
1: And then what you end up doing is what's happened in most of London, and all these really big, nice houses that people actually aspire to are basically just flats.
0: Yeah, like eight people living in yeah. Which that I think be, is like a family home.
1: So tragic. Like there are times where I walk down beautiful streets in London, and I look at these massive houses, and I'm like, wow. Like, could you imagine, like living in that and then you go yeah but actually you'd only get like one floor (laughs) at best and you'd be paying like half a mil Mm -hmm. and then i kind of go ew
0: (laughs) yeah i get it and i think that it probably works for certain times of life but i think if you've got a couple like obviously the people Mm -hmm. if someone's a business person they're working in the city their careers everything they want then yeah probably location but dude like
1: i know people i know a a friend of a friend has just spent four hundred and fifty thousand pounds on a one bedroom flat in <laughs> central London, right? Which is probably not much bigger than what we've just described. Oh yeah. Based on what my friend has told me. Mm. Um so we're pretty much there. Like we are pretty much there already. Um I just think make nice nice looking cheap because you could decorate a, a place like that to look really lush really lush because it's so small and charge reasonable rent for that
0: i just see it as it's going to still be ridiculous like it's gonna be ridiculous priced and then we're kind of millennials are going to be slowly getting to that age of families and then you're gonna be like holy crap i can just about afford this house which is literally everything's on uh-huh. suite what happens when i get a relationship and we're under each other's toes the whole time what happens when i think about having a family then instantly you price yourself out of like a city. Yeah, definitely.
1: I mean, I mean, it, it doesn't it doesn't work. For, I don't think it works for couples at all. I really don't. Mm.
0: Ultimately, because you need just,
1: you need space away from each other.
0: Only yeah. like, this is just off, that proving that bloody. <laughs> this is proving that housing is still fucked. <laughs> right. Oh, that's the moral of this. Yeah, story, that really. is the moral
1: of this story. Okay, but question then. What I've just described so a ten by thirteen foot room. That's got everything in it except for bathroom and hallway. And when I say hallway, I'm talking like a three-foot by three-foot room, like tiny. Yeah, Um, Literally a place for your front door and for your post to go. Like, and maybe... A little cabinet.
0: <laughs> if you're lucky. And your router. It's just a little cabinet for you to put your keys in. Yeah. <laughs> and a hook. Yeah. Just one hook. One for... hook. <laughs> for your single coat.
1: Yeah. Seeing as you're a single person. <laughs> and then I can literally, like, picture this. So you go through the door. You've got the three-by-three three room. To your right, you've got uh, the bathroom, which is, you know, quite long, quite thin. But shower, toilet, and whatever. And then you go into the main... You go. As you go into the hallway, if you go straight ahead, you go into the main thing, which has got your bed in there. It's got a small sofa in there. Sounds
0: like describing a prison cell, but...
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, I've, I've been, in, but, I've been but, in a prison and I've seen it actually quite bit imagine,
1: imagine, imagine it's decorated quite nice. You know, marble work surfaces or fake marble work surfaces.
0: <laughs> marble. <laughs> marble. Uh,
1: would you... Uh, and uh, first of all, would you... And also, how much would you be willing to pay?
0: Well, it depends on location, number one. But then also, again, it just comes down to how do I want to live my life? Do I, if it's, a, if you said to me, I'm like a business person who works for bloody some blue chip company right in central London near Liverpool Street, and you say you get that location, it's going to be 1200 a month, uh, and your work is across the road, you're in the city so you can go out for drinks in the evening, you're a single guy, you're not looking for a relationship... Then maybe I'd be like, yeah, why not? That's a- one
1: thousand two hundred a month.
0: If it was in central Liverpool Street, like Liverpool Street, right, I could walk to work for like ten minutes. I know friends that do that. I know a guy that had a one bed in central London, and he was just like, I know that he was single at the time. He's like, all I want is to be able to get walk to work in the morning. I can go out in London, and I can get an Uber back to my house for like less than, for like five quid minimum. He's like, that's all I care about right now. And paying like, one
1: thousand two hundred a month for that space, you ain't going out. To get have to get an Uber. Yeah, but
0: then if these guys are like city workers, they're probably well, on, like fifty yes, k plus. So true.
1: Yes, but um, a lot of people that that work in central London are not quote city workers.
0: Yeah, They wouldn't work for them. That's what I'm saying. It's only going to work for a certain minori- minority, which is why. And in also, some ways, frankly, the city workers wouldn't want to wouldn't want a place like that because. You know, 100% if they put one of these buildings without the living rooms in central London up to the spec that you said, trust me, they will go. Those properties will go for like four or five hundred K just for that. what you've described. I know. And and they'll be sold out instantly. I know. Not by millennials either. No, (laughs) they'll be rented to millennials.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, you're right. It just proves how fucked it is. But you would be willing to pay if it was in Liverpool Street yes you'd be willing to pay one thousand two hundred a month to live in. if that was
0: all all done and it was again if it was based on that lifestyle yes because at the end of the day even outside of london you're going to look at about eight nine hundred pounds so to be in central london for 300 pound more close to everything no train journeys needed then yeah you would
1: yeah fair enough
0: so yeah i think the guy's right and yeah all right for some people oh that's a sad thing you don't have a living room why are you going to socialize you're in a little prison cell studio, tiny mm-hmm. little place, but actually. Oh, I, mean, I, def- people, I definitely works.
1: agree with the concept. Yeah. I just think, as you say, sadly, we'd be in a position where it'd be priced just the same anyway. So you wouldn't actually
0: Yeah. It's not going to be affordable housing anyway.
1: <laughs> no, no. So, uh, let's wrap uh we're things so screwed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for listening to another pessimistic episode of like <laughs> the Millennial Podcast. <laughs> If, you're a if millenn- you've come for optimism, yeah. you've come
1: to the wrong place.
0: If you're having troubles being a millennial, you can call us on oh eight hundred your phone. <laughs> <you're fucked. laughs> Ask for Jam Guru. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: okay. <laughs> oh, guys, 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 guys. We can do this. Yeah, we can. <laughs> we got this. We got this. Us, us, us. Men looking for affordable housing. Oh, <laughs> we, we've got this. Just all you need is just a pair of Snapchat spectacles, and you're good. Although you wouldn't be able to afford them if you buy one of these low-cost accommodations.
0: <sighs> <sighs> cool.
1: So <laughs> that's the episode for this week, guys. If you've got any thoughts? Um, please don't dial that helpline; it doesn't actually exist. Um, it probably does actually somewhere. Which yeah. I'm sure somebody's created it. <laughs> um, but you can send us an email. I'm Wayne at PowerfulNonsense.com. Gem is Gem at PowerfulNonsense.com, spelled C E M. Um, or you can hit us up on the Twitters at PN underscore podcast. Thanks very much for tuning in, guys, and we will catch you
0: next time. See you later.